Welcome to the Ablaze Youth Podcast. We've gone through, uh, we've been going through Ephesians chapter 4 in this series. In Ephesians chapter 4, basically leading up to verse 13, uh, Ephesians 4.13 says this, Until we all attain to unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, right? Uh, we, we want to grow up into immaturity. We want to be more mature people. Why? Why do we want to be mature? Why do we want to grow into maturity? So that people can look at us better? Well, not necessarily, but they will do that, right? It, the more mature we, we are, the more people will actually respect us. The more people will actually look to us as, uh, as role models or just as people that they're like, oh, I want my life to look like that. Um, uh, honestly, that, that is a good re- Recognize this. You know, you guys are teenagers. Uh, did you know that the more you grow in maturity, the more freedom you'll have in your home? The more your parents will trust you uh, when you say, hey, can I do this? Hey, can I ha- borrow some money? Hey, can I do? If, if, you're, if you show, show off uh, a, a level of immaturity, you're not going to have as much privileges in that, in that aspect. But if you can prove to them that you're walking in maturity, that you're Christ-like, and that, that they can trust you with these things, that'll actually give you a lot more benefits even in that aspect of it. Do you, do you see that? So there are benefits of maturity. But one, one of the main reasons why we're seeking after maturity, and we were talking about this, is because we want to be people of love. We want to be people who look like Jesus, right? That's what we talked about uh, the first week of this series, was that we need to be rooted and grounded in love, or else we can't have maturity without love. It's impossible, right? We talked about what maturity is and isn't, and if you, you can go back and listen to that if you want to. Um, but we... But, uh, I want to bring back some of the points uh, that we talked about in the previous uh, weeks. Um, Ephesians 4 verse 1 says this, Therefore I, this is Paul talking, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which with, which, with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So today... I know I alluded to this last week. Today we're going to be talking about unity. Yay! That's a mark of maturity. Unity is a mark of maturity. But I, w- I will say this. You can't have unity if you don't have patience. You can't have patience if you don't have humility. Right? You can't have humility if you don't have love. All these things kind of piggyback off of each other, right? If I want to walk in unity, I need to be patient with one with other people, right? We talked about uh, the last time I like I preached. We talked about um, we talked about you know how the Bible says making room for one another's faults, right? Showing tolerance with one another in love, right? I tolerate you guys in love, amen, right? Well, huh? I, I'm me too, but when when we say uh, well, what does it mean? Let me ask you this. What does it mean to make room for one another's faults? What does that mean? What does it mean to make room for someone's faults? Well, this is basically what it means. It means before someone even does something, I've already made room that if they do it, it's not going to affect me. You hear that? It's, it's a fancy word for it is premeditated forgiveness, right? I've already determined that if someone does something of potentially offensive or something uh, that 
belittles me or is if someone does something that's just irritating to me i've already determined in my heart that if they do that there's already room there that i don't that that if they do that thing i've already forgiven them and it's not going to affect me that that's how someone can can look can uh crucify Jesus and as he's hanging on the cross he says father forgive them they don't know what they're doing right if there's any moment for him to have pressure to not forgive someone it's while he's hanging on a cross and they're getting ready to you know throw a spear in his side and they put vinegar in his mouth because he's thirsty right like just mixed with gall you know disgusting stuff right you don't want to know <laughs> anyway so yeah so recognize this yeah, so anyway, yeah, anyway, so do you hear this? This is what making room for one another's faults is, is I've already determined that before someone does something to me, I'm going to forgive them. What, what, what's the opposite of that? Having a short temper, right? That's, I've made no room for faults. If someone does something that irritates me, it's going to just throw me off because I've made no room for it, Right? I've made no room for it. And what's that ultimately going to lead to? Is that going to lead to unity? No, what's that going to lead to? Division, right? Death. Did you say death? Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately, like, it leads to that. Yeah. The minds, The Bible says that the mindset on the flesh is death, right? That's you focusing on your flesh, so you're not wrong. So, but, but, do, you, but do you hear this, though? If I'm not making room for that, it's going to lead to division. P- picture this. Do, do we want this uh, ministry to grow? Do we want more teenagers to enter into this place and their lives changed by faith in the word of God? Right? We want to see that, right? You know what that means, right? That means that there's going to be, that if we're believing for this, there's going to be a lot more immaturity entering into this room. Because there's going to be a lot of people that don't know Jesus. There's going to be a lot of people that don't know Jesus as much as you. And do they need Jesus? Do they need mercy? Do they need someone to show them love? Now, here's the thing. If if we're in a position where new people come in and they're immature and they don't know any better because they haven't been taught like you've been taught or are being taught, we're going to subconsciously wish that they weren't here. And do you think the Lord is going to cause this to increase if we're all here hoping that it doesn't happen subconsciously because we don't want to deal with immaturity? (laughs) Do you think that that could potentially hinder the growth of this ministry? Potentially, right? So what do we need to do? We need to press on to be more like Christ. What did Jesus do when he was walking through a town full of immature people? The Bible says he was full of compassion for them. It doesn't say he was irritated. Look at this guy. Look at him. Look at, him. Look at his face. Look at that face. What, what kind of a face is that? No, he didn't do that. The Bible says he was full of compassion for the people, right? And, and this is what he said. He looked at them. He was full of compassion recognizing that they're like sheep without a shepherd. What does that mean? That means he's recognizing they need help. They need help. They need, they need a shepherd. They need someone who's willing to come up and take them by the hand and say, hey, you're a tax collector, the one that everyone else despises. Hey, come follow me. That's Matthew. You know the one who wrote the book of Matthew? One of the 12 disciples? A person that nobody else liked. Everyone rejected. Jesus said, hey, come follow me. He made room. When Peter was, was coming up to him and saying, hey, you shouldn't do this, and he said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't saying that because he was offended. He had to make room because he didn't say, okay, Peter, you're done. Get out of here. No. 
Peter continued to follow him, and he continued to minister to Peter and speak to Peter. He made room for that. He wasn't offended and and go, and when he ro rose again. Well, hear this. When Jesus rose again, was there one moment when Jesus came up to Peter and said, hey, you remember when you denied me three times? Did he ever bring that up, ever? No, not once. Why? Because he already forgave him. He died for that exact sin. He went to the cross for that. Every single mistake you've made, he made room for you by hanging on the cross. Oh, that's pretty sweet. So this is what it means when it says to make room for one another's faults, right? It's premeditated forgiveness. I've already made room that if they do something, I've already forgiven it. And it's not going to affect me and it's not going to throw me aside. Because, why? Because in maturity, I want to press on towards unity. I want to press on towards unity. Uh, th this is one of the things that we need to be pursuing as a believer is unity. What did Jesus say? When Jesus realized, you know Jesus prayed for you and for me, right? Did you know that? There's actually a prayer in the Bible where Jesus is specifically praying for us. And what does he say? He's saying, I'm I, I am praying. This is John 17, 20 to 23. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples. He's saying, not the ones that are just right in front of me recording this prayer and, and listening to me. No, he says, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Is that you? Right? We believe in him through, through the message that the disciples spread on, right? So what's the prayer? Well, I pray that they will, be, they will all be one, just as you, the Father, and I, Jesus, are one. This is his prayer for you and for me, that we be in unity. Man, if Jesus is praying this prayer... I think we should take it seriously, right? That they may be one as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. So recognize this. Our unity is a witness. Realize, people will believe in Jesus because of your unity with each other. People will not believe in Jesus because of disunity amongst the body. You've heard it, right? They're just a bunch of hypocrites. What is that? They've seen disunity. They've seen people put on a false sense of unity, but actually not actually walk in unity. If we want to be like Jesus, which isn't that the definition of maturity, to, to press on to be more and more like Jesus, and Jesus prioritized unity, should we, should we make that a priority? I, I think so, right? But again, you can't have unity without patience. You can't have patience without humility, right? If, I, if we think we know better than anybody else or we think we know why they do something the way that they do it, we're not actually pressing on towards unity. Let, oh, how about this? Sometimes we think we know what gossip is. But um, I think the Lord's kind of helped me get a better understanding of what gossip is. You know, gossip is not talking about someone when they're, gossip is not talking about someone when they're in, not in the room. Did you know that? That's not what gossip is. That's just talking about someone who's not in the room. Like, yeah, well, well hear this, hear this. Um, gossip is not talking about someone who's not in the room and talking about their faults. That's not gossip because they recorded about Judas and his betrayal of Jesus in the, Jesus in the Bible. 
Judas wasn't in the room when they were recording that or writing it down for all the world to read for the rest of eternity. You see that? So what's gossip? Gossip is, hear this. Gossip is speaking in a way that, that promotes division between the person you're speaking to and somebody else. You hear that? Gossip is me intentionally trying or subconsciously trying to push division in, in the person that I'm talking to. Did you hear about that guy? Man, I don't understand why. Like, like he did this. What am I trying to do? Am I, if I'm trying to drive a wedge between the person I'm talking to and somebody else, I'm, I, I, that's gossip. That's division, right? Now, if I'm like, hey, Serena, um, I don't know if you recognize this, but today at service, this person did this. Um, we need to be praying for them. Am I, am I promoting disunity or am I pr- promoting uh, unity? Or, hey, I noticed this person um, that we're called to, to lead and to oversee. They, they've had this habit, and it's been a bad habit, right? And I've noticed it, and I just want you to, to hear this so that you can recognize it, so that whenever it comes up, if the Lord's leading you to address it, you know, is, is that gossip? Am I promoting d- division or am I promoting unity? Unity, right? But, but someone else can listen and be like, they're talking about someone's issues. They're gossiping. That's not gossip. See, gossip is if I'm trying to promote division. If I'm trying to, if I'm trying to get someone to... Now, it could be pursuing unity between me and the person. Hey, like, uh, miss, miss teacher so-and-so, isn't she the worst? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's the worst. Now, all of a sudden, we're united in, in our mutual division against someone else. But am I... Is that, is that unity? No. No. I'm not promoting unity at all. Did you hear what the preacher said today? Like, I don't know about that. Yeah, you know, I don't know about that either. That's not unity. That's not promoting unity. You, you and your siblings. Man, mom just doesn't understand. <laughs> so that, that struck a chord, right? Is that promoting unity in your family? Right? Yeah, it's not promoting unity. It's promoting division, right? So, like, the reason I'm bringing these things up is so that we can recognize, wait, are my actions pointing people to Christ are my actions do people see Christ in the way that I speak about other people didn't Jesus say uh, woe to the Pharisees is he gossiping is he promoting division not necessarily he's saying I just want you to beware of the teach not the teachings their teachings are fine but their actions aren't and so you need to be cautious about that he's not promoting he's not saying hey i want you to kill all the pharisees or i want you to like he's not promoting division in that way but he is but he is helping them recognize hey for your sake there's there's a dangerous habit in these pharisees that you that you can't be partnering yourself with Do, do you recognize that difference right um so that's so if you if you want to understand gossip in an, in a in a better way it's is is what i'm saying or is what they're saying pushing division or is it providing or seeking unity bible says as much as it depends on you be at peace with all people what's that i'm pursuing unity as at all costs i want to preserve the unity i want to seek unity and the devil will do whatever he can to cause division because that's what he does you realize division's a sin right i i can i can bring you to a bible verse that right next to witchcraft is division causing division Church splits, causing people to rifts in, in family members, causing division like uh, in, in, in relationships, right? There, it's ju- like literally, it's right next to witchcraft. 
division. And, and we don't usually talk about it. We don't usually think about it because it doesn't seem as bad as witchcraft, right? It doesn't seem, like in our minds, it doesn't seem as bad as witchcraft, but honestly, it is. It's not as bad. It is witchcraft. It's literally, you're, you're doing the work of the, of, of the enemy by sparking that division. And so, uh, let's press on to unity, right? How do we do that? What does that look like? Well, let's keep reading in Ephesians 4, our, our main chapter, verse, our, our main chapter, right? Uh, Paul says this, Make every effort to keep yourselves united. I'm reading in the New Living right now. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. Every effort, right? He said, this is an important thing to put your energy into. Make every effort to keep yourselves united, but then it says this, in the Spirit. So, is there any unity apart from the Spirit of God? Can we find any sense of unity apart from God? No, not true unity, right? He says, in the Spirit. So it's in the Spirit of God, right? Aren't we the body of Christ, right? Is, is my thumb separate from me, or is it a part of me? It's a part of me, right? Now, if my thumb decided one day, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm going to, uh, I, I don't need the rest of the body. I'm a good thumb. I'm doing a great job. So you know what? I'm... I'm not going to completely separate myself, but I'm at least going to just separate myself from, uh, from the blood vessels. You know, I don't, I don't need the, the blood vessels that, that run through the rest of the body. I don't need that. I can, I'm self-sustaining. I can do this on my own. What happens if all of a sudden my blood sto- stops running to my thumb? What will happen? Yeah, it will begin to die, and then what will en- end up happening? It will fall off. <laughs> I don't want my thumb to fall off. It will fall off eventually, right? There. The, yeah, it'll com- literally pop off, and, and, and it'll fall off my body. Yeah, we don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen, right? But, but do, you, do you recognize that, though? See, a lot of times we think, you know what? I can have a relationship with God myself. I can talk to God myself. I don't need the church. I mean, and this is something that you'll hear. You'll hear this because this is a deception that's entering into the world today. I don't need to go to church to be saved. It's the body of Christ. If I want to be alive, I need to be attached to the body, right? What happens if I, lop, if, my thumb, if I just cut off my thumb and set it there? Is it going to thrive or is it going to die? It's going to die. So why do we think that we don't need the body? We, can, we don't need to be united. We can do things on our own. I don't need to ask for help. I don't need to reach out. I don't need to be connected. I don't need to go to, to church. I don't need to do these things. Oh, I'm fine. I'll, you know what? Life has just been a little bit stressful, so I'm going to take a break from, from going to church for a little bit just so that I can rest. What's going to happen? You're going to end up dying. Things will get worse for you. I remember um, there, Serena was talking to a guy um, at her previous work, and, and he was saying how he hadn't gone to church for like a couple months at that point, and he was like, yeah, there's just been a lot of things going on, just a lot, a lot of stuff kept coming up, and I just haven't had time to, to go to church, and Serena was like, well, do you think that maybe, just maybe, all of those things came up because you haven't been going to church, and a light bulb popped on, right? See, we don't usually think about that. A lot of times we think, well, these stress, you, you realize the devil will do whatever he can to get you out of church, He'll do whatever. If, if he can make you wake up on a Sunday morning and just feel a little bit off, you're like, I don't know if I really want to go to church today. He'll do that. If that's all it takes to get you out of unity, he'll do that. 
Because re realize, the devil doesn't care how much of the Bible you know. What he cares about is if you're actually connected with a life, with the body of Christ, that will empower you to do whatever God's called you to do. See, if he can keep you out of church, but you know a lot, he'll do that. He doesn't care because you're not, you're not going to do much for the kingdom of God apart from the church. Right? Yeah, because you're, you're not applying it. See, I, I don't like, why do you think in the midst of COVID, everyone was so f adamant on shutting down the church? Oh, keep Walmart open. Keep the, keep the bars open. Keep those things open. But no, we can't have church. Why, why do you think they were so adamant on it? Because the devil doesn't want people to come together in unity. The devil doesn't want unity. How come the second a pressure and a weight comes on your shoulders, you're like, I don't want to reach out. I don't want to ask for help. He doesn't want you to reach out. He doesn't want you to, to preserve unity. But Paul is saying right here, he's saying, do every, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. So, yes, we need to rely on the Holy Ghost. But what does the Holy Ghost lead us to? If we're actually relying on the Holy Ghost, what's He going to lead us to? Unity. He's not going to lead us to isolation. I know I've said this many times before, but what if a, if a wolf pack is coming up to a herd of sheep, what are they going to try to do? Are they going to just head on attack the entire herd, or are they going to try to isolate a sheep? They're going to try to isolate a sheep, right? The devil's the same way. He'll try to isolate you, get you to think, oh, I don't need help. I, don't, I can just deal with this on my own. Anytime I've ever heard someone say, hear this, and I've heard it multiple times. Anytime I've ever heard someone say, like, I'm like, hey, I know you're going through something. Uh, let me help you. Anytime I've heard someone say, oh, no, I just need to figure this out myself. Or, no, I just, I just need to figure this out with the Lord. Just me and him. Anytime I've heard someone say this, they instantly start to backslide. Instantly. Immediately. Why? Because the devil is kind of entering in and saying, you don't need help. You need to figure this out on your own. What's he trying to get you to do? To divide yourself from the rest of the body, from the rest of the flock. Yeah. Makes you, makes you a big old target for the enemy. And then that's when people just get crushed. Because they listen to that. You can't, you can't never allow yourself to think for a moment, uh, I don't need to reach out. I can figure this out on my own. Because recognize, that's not a godly thought. God will never enter into your brain and say, you can do this on your own. No, he'll enter in and say, no, like, I gave you a body. I gave you people. I gave you youth leaders. I gave, I gave you pastors. I gave you friends and, and people that can encourage you and build you up. Stay united. Jesus' prayer, Father, I pray that they be one, even as you and I are one. See, in that unit, with that unity, there's a commanded blessing. With that unity, there's benefit. Because recognize, you have people that love you and that want to pour into you and want to encourage you. You have people who want to build you up. What a blessing. Like, you, you have those people. Those people are right here in this room, right next to you. You're not alone. You're never alone. The devil wants to convince you you are, but you're not. You're not alone. See, why would I... Picture it this way, all right? Why would I go out and, and wage a war with, like, a foreign country on my own when I have a whole army that's alongside of me, right? Why would you go out into a battle alone when you can ha go out to battle with multiple people, right? Right? Can you imagine, like, one soldier saying, I can do this on my own, and they go out in the middle of Russia to fight that, fight that war? You think they're going to last very long? 
No, they're not going to. They could be the greatest warrior of all time. They won't last very long against an army of, you know, tens of thousands. Why? They're not called to do it on their own. In, in life, and in the life that we're facing, there's an enemy that tries to come up against us. And he wants to convince us, now you can face me on your own. I, I don't, whether I can or not, I don't, the Bible doesn't lead me to that belief. The Bible doesn't tell me to do it that way. He t- tells me to preserve the unity. And there's a blessing in unity. There's a blessing in unity. He says this, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, bringing yourselves together with peace. See, there's peace when we come together in unity. There's a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear when we try to do it on our own. Man, how am I going to overcome this? How am I going to deal with this? How in the world will I be able to do this? Oh, man, how can I? Do? I don't know if I can do this. Oh, but I got a bunch of people around me who can help me and encourage me and build me up. You know, recognize this. I hated group projects when I was in high school. Despised it. Why? Because there was a lot of people who wouldn't bring their weight into, the, into it. You know, I did not like that. Well, how about this? Uh, let's all determine that we're going to do make every effort to preserve the unity. Oh, that sounds like a great idea, right? Let's not be lazy. And let's actually be diligent to build each other up. But I can't build someone up who doesn't want who's not actually pursuing unity. Someone's isolating themselves in the corner. I can't if they've chosen to isolate themselves, I, there's nothing I can do about it. You recognize that? There's nothing I can do about it. I can't force myself to help somebody because now I'm coming against your will. But when, when we all make the effort to bring ourselves together in unity, man, God will bless that. God will give you a strength and a peace that you recognize, I'm not in this alone anymore. Man, I got help. And that, that's where the peace comes. He says, for there is one body and one spirit just as you have been called to one glorious hope. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Do you hear a pattern? What's the, what's the popular word in that passage? One. What? Is there multiple ways to heaven? No, there's only one, right? Is there multiple ways to peace? No, there's only one. Is there multiple ways to hope? No, there's only one. So all of this, there's so many ways to heaven. There's so many ways to get to God. There's so, there's so many different avenues and so many different paths. No, right here it just says there's one. Are, is there many different churches? No, there's only one. There's only one church. That's the body of Christ. Only one church. That's why pastor says we're not the best church. We're a part of the best church, right? We're not a church. We're a part of the church. There's one church. So all the denominations, all these different, you know, organizations, all these different coalitions, there's still only one church. Still only, only one. So we shouldn't be here basically saying, well, you know, we shouldn't be here just bashing every single denomination and every single thing that we're doing. Right? Who, who's the accuser of the brethren? The devil. the devil, right? The devil's the accuser of the brethren. So if we're accusing the brethren, who are we lining ourselves up with? Yay. Okay. I, I will say this, all right? I know that this series, there's been a lot of toe dancing, right? I've been stepping on toes 
I guarantee you, I promise you, this series is not going to be as long as our last one. It's not going to be like this nonstop for the next like five months, okay? But, so yeah, a series on feet. Um, but, but again, why, why are these things coming up? Why are we bringing these things up? Why is the Holy Ghost bringing this stuff up to us? Because the, he wants our light, because he wants us to feel bad. Is that why he would bring it up? No. God. Why, why would the Holy Spirit be bringing this up? Yeah. Honestly, you shouldn't be leaving out of this feeling bad. You should be leaving out of this feeling cursed. Oh, man, there's this thing that I've been doing that's actually been hurting me. But if I deal with this and address it with the power of the Holy Ghost, life will get better. Oh, praise God. Isn't that a good thing? Amen. So, so he's bringing these things up so that we can be built up to become more like him. Which, who here wants to be more like Jesus? Me? Yeah? You want to be more like Jesus? Well, th- these are some of those things that if we apply ourselves to them, God will empower us to overcome. Right? He'll empower us to walk through life victorious. And, th- and these things will greatly benefit our lives if we give ourselves to them. Might not feel fun on the flesh, right? All discipline for the moment doesn't feel profitable. Doesn't feel good to our flesh, right? But what happens? It actually bears fruit, eternal fruit. Oh, praise God. My flesh might not like it at this moment, but there's fruit that's being produced in this if I give myself to it. And, and here's the thing. You're at, that, you're at the age where these tweaks, if you make them, early, the earlier you make them, the better. Because if you're like, you know what, I'll hold that off until, you know, I, I'm graduated or I'll hold that off until, you know, I'm in my 20s. I'll hold that off until later. But right now, I'm just going to do what I want to do. If, if, the, if you make that decision, there's going to be a lot of habits that you build up. And right now, this is basically what we're talking about is habits, right? Habits that we've built up that are actually hurting ourselves, right? If we deal with these habits now, man, we'll be light years ahead of everybody else in a couple years. Light years ahead of everybody else. So let's, let's bring it to the Lord. Say, God, there's a lot of this. There's a lot of stuff that you're bringing up, a lot of stuff you're exposing. Help me, God. Help me, Lord. And also, you have people around you that'll be willing to help you too. Hey, just, hey, like, I know that, like, this is one thing that I've done is I've, like, come to the ELT or I've come to different teams and I've been like, hey, um, the Lord's been bringing this up that I've had to deal with. This is something that I haven't been good at. Like, I guess one example would be listening, right? The Lord started bringing up that I wasn't doing a very good job listening. Like, someone would be talking, but my brain's in a whole different world, right? And, um, and the Holy Spirit began to bring that up. But, well, okay, look at this. We're talking about unity, right? Someone's talking to me, and I'm thinking about something else. Am I, am I preserving unity in that moment? And, that, like, they're just talking, talking, and I'm, like, nodding. And I don't even recognize that my brain's in a whole different place. See, I developed a habit. Hear this. I developed a habit of just being in my head. That's a habit that I developed. It's not like... It's not like my personality. It's not, not those things. It's a habit that I developed over years and years of just not taking my thoughts captive. So, so this person's talked to me, and my brain's in a whole different place. And then later on down the road, they're like, hey, did you do this? I'm like, you never asked me to do this. And they're like, yeah, we were having that conversation. Oh, my head was in a whole different place. Can't tell you how many times like, I'm, I was like playing video games. My mom would come in the room. And she'd be like, hey, can you take the garbage out? Yeah. 
And like, and she comes back five minutes later, did you take out the trash? What, what are you talking about? You never asked me to take out the trash, right? Um, she, she's like, I asked you, will you do it? And, I, and you said yes. I'm like, I don't remember this entire conversation. What was happening? Uh, I developed a habit that if my parents came into the room, I didn't stop whatever I was doing and actually give them my attention. I just continued doing what I was doing. You, you want uh, uh, Pro tip, right? Pro tip for listening. If your parents walk into a room, stop whatever you're doing and give them your attention. If your pastor walks into a room, stop whatever you're doing and give them your attention, right? Especially if they start talking to you. Pause the game, put down the whatever, put down the phone, and actually look them in the eyes and pay attention to what they're saying. You, eye contact is like, I'd say 50% of listening. because I'm saying 50% because there's been a lot of times I've been making eye contact, but my brain's still not there. But, um, but just making that act will help you. That's like extra, okay? That's just like an extra point. But, but, but do you guys hear that, right? You're going to save yourself a lot of discipline <laughs> just as a teenager if you actually apply that, right? I'm going to stop what I'm doing, and I'm going to listen. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to pause the game, put down the phone, and I'm actually going to listen. And honestly, that'll show them, huh, the, that this impresses me. They might not say it out loud, but it will impress them. Yeah. They might not say it out loud, but it will actually give them, it, it'll make them think twice next time they want to discipline you. Right? They'll be like, they've actually been doing a better job of listening to me. Maybe I'll show them more mercy. Don't you, wouldn't you like that from your parents? Yeah. Oh, then listen to them. <laughs> right? Yeah. See, but, but here's the thing. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. There's things that you can do that'll, that'll advance that. Right? And, and this is what we should do in this. This is what we should do in this entire series is not be like, oh, this would be a good point for them. Or if only they did this, that this will be good for them. Lord, what can I do to grow? How can I grow in this, right? So, doing everything, making every effort to preserve the unity. And then he began to point out all these ones. One baptism, one God, one spirit, one body, one, 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 right? We're number one, amen, right? Like, he be, he's just pointing out all these ones, ones, all these things. Why? Because there's not a bunch of different paths and in a bunch of different directions and a bunch of different visions. So there's one. And we should only be pursuing one. What is that? I want to be like Christ. Read this with me. Um, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. In Impact University, we've been in the book of Acts, and it's been awesome. But I want you to hear, read this. Acts chapter 2. Uh, starting at verse 42. Acts 2, 42. Now, I want you to recognize what unity will do. Verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves. Oh, okay. So they were purposing themselves. They were making every effort to something. What was it? To the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. What does that sound like? We, we've been talking about it this whole time. What does that sound like? Unity. Unity, yes. Right? They were devoting themselves to the teaching. Right? They were devoting themselves to fellowship, to hanging out with each other. Right? To breaking of bread. What is that? They were going into each other's homes and eating meals with each other. This is one of the things they were devoting themselves. And to prayer. All of this is promoting what? Unity. Unity right? 
Then it says this, and everyone kept, so what did that unity produce? Well, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking, taking place through the apostles. You see that? And those who have believed were gathered together, and hear this, and had all things in common. Hmm. What, what does that mean? How does that come about? But does that mean that all of a sudden everyone's a baseball fan? We have all things in common. So, you know, right? Is, it, is that what that means? Is that, does it mean that, oh, man, all of a sudden everyone just really loves the game of spoons? Because like, we have all things in common. Not necessarily. Right? Does that mean, oh, man, I have to, I have to give up my desire for disc golf because uh, so-and-so doesn't like disc golf. So if we want to be in unity, I have to give up my... No, does that, is that what that means? Not necessarily. What does it mean? They were all so devoted, hear this, to growing in maturity, to being like Jesus, not like each other. They weren't trying to to purpose to be more like each other. They were devoting themselves to be more like Jesus. And the more they all became like Jesus, the more they had in common. Why? Because they were becoming more and more and more like Jesus, right? So they had all these things in common. What did they have in common? They were like Jesus. They were preserving to be more like Jesus. And what, what happened as a result? Well, they began selling property and possessions and were sharing them with all to anyone who had need day by day continuing with one mind so now 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 as they've been they've all been listening to the same teaching over and over again so what's happening now their thinking is the same they start thinking similarly i mean if you're around boomerang long enough you begin to hear the same phrases the same terminologies you begin to hear people say things the same and if someone who who's not from boomerang comes in and they start talking you're like you're not from here like, do you, you know what I mean, right? Like, they're not talking the same way. They're, they're talking a little bit differently. They use some phrases that we wouldn't use, right? What, 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 what makes us think that way? And, like, we can, like, look at across the table and recognize, like, like they're not from here. Why? Or, or I come down, right, and I don't have the southern accent, and I don't talk like everyone else in North Carolina, right? But, but you're, and you're like, you're not from here, are you, right? I'm not going to do that again if you wanted to record that. Um, but uh, but you, you recognize, though, we kind of talk the same, right? Or we, there's certain things that most of us don't say because we recognize that it's a bad confession, right? Or there's certain things that we don't do because we recognize it's not beneficial. And, and so the more we hang out with each other and the more we talk about these things, the more we kind of start, you know, being like un unified. And, and, you know, there, there's a unity that starts coming about the more we hang out. And that's what was happening right here is they were all devoted themselves. They were devoting themselves to that teaching. They were devoting themselves to each other and to being around each other and to hanging out with each other. They're like, man, look at these people. They're, they're such a cool group. They, they just love everybody. Like they're all so tight knit. Man, I want to be a part of that group. Right? Especially what ended up happening. What's the proof of that? Um, the, the Bible says this. Uh, they were praising God and having favor with the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day. People were getting saved because of their unity. Isn't that the same thing that Jesus prayed? Right? That, they, that the world will know that they are in me because of their unity with each other. Recognize our unity, it witnesses to people. 
people begin to see our unity, how much fun we have with each other. Because we're not talking about like uh, a unity that's like boring and, and like a cult. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, hey, man, life with Christ is fun. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. We enjoy this, this, this time with each other, right? They had all things in common because they were becoming more and more and more like Jesus. Now, I'll, just to wrap up, I want to bring you guys to one, one of the things that Jesus prayed in the prayer that I didn't get to. He says that they may be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Now, hear this. I have given them the glory you gave me big the glory that jesus walked in he gave it to us why did he give us the glory oh uh, you don't have to answer that because i'm about to read it to you because he answers it right there he says i have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one why did god what what's the glory the glory is the manifestation of God happening in, in our midst, right? It's the manifestation of God and the covering of God on our lives, the blessing of God on our lives. Why did he give us the glory? Why did he give us his manifested presence? Why did he give us the Holy Spirit? So that we can be one, yeah, in unity. It's the same thing, right? In unity, unified, one. Why does he want us one to be one? So that the world can see our unity and come to him. You see how, th- how important this is now? This is, we're not just talking about, hey, if you do this, you're more mature. We're talking about this is our witness to the world. That if we, if, if we start becoming more like Christ in this way, man, this church is going to expand. This youth group is going to expand, right? Because we're so unified and, and we're unified because we're patient, and we're patient because we're uh, humble, and we're humble because we're walking in love, right? But as these things, as we purpose these things in our heart, people are going to be like, hey, I want to come, I come to, to Blaze Youth. I want to become a part of this group. I wanna, why? Because things happen there. They, they, they have fun. They enjoy themselves. They're devoted to these things, right? You were in, in a service this morning. Why are you here again tonight? Because uh, you're devoting yourself to something. Right? You, could, you could easily be like, I already listened to one message today. Why do I have to listen to another one? Or you can be like, oh, man, like there's more to this word for me. Man, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come, and I'm going to preserve the unity. I'm not going to be like, oh, they don't want me there. You know, they, is that the devil, or is that God speaking? That's the devil. Right? Uh, that person looked at me weird. They probably hate me now. They probably just ate some bad sushi. <laughs> right? But you see how the devil can easily get in and, be, and, and cause a wedge between two people over some bad sushi. It's happened. Like, so, like you look at someone, give them a wave, and, they're, and they're, they're like I was, you know, like I'm looking, but I'm not looking. My brain's in a whole different world, right? And like they didn't wave back. They didn't wave back to me. I'm never coming to this church again because the people there are such hypocrites. They didn't wave back to me. Pastor didn't say hello to me this morning. Whenever he walked in to the service, you know, looking at every single other person that's in the sanctuary, he didn't specifically look at me and say hello. He didn't give me a word today. So, man, he must not be flowing the Holy Ghost because the Lord knows that I need a word because I'm going through something. See how the devil can try to, like, get into our heads? Right? Right? Who are you just looking at? It sounds like somebody I know. I'm just kidding. But do you hear this? 
Do you recognize that, how the devil can try to bring a wedge? With one small comment, he can try to drive a wedge. You know, there's a lot of people who have good hearts who don't know how to communicate. <laughs> Do you hear that? They don't know how to say things, they, or they don't know how to keep their mouths shut, but they have a good heart. See, it's like saying things like that, you know, like they have a good heart, right? But, but, but do you hear it, right? Peop, there's people that have a good heart but don't know how to shut their mouth yet because they haven't learned that yet. They haven't grown in communication. Realize, people don't teach people how to communicate anymore. Man, I feel like I, I, I would love to do a teaching on just how to communicate. Like, like you, you don't say, hey, what are you doing this Friday? That's poor communication because, literally, that entirely depends on the next thing that you're going to tell say to me, right? Like, hey, what are you doing this Friday? Because we're planning on doing this, and I don't know if you'd be able to be a part of, right? That's proper communication. Right? We're not, I'm not doing anything. Right. But, but, but I, like, do you, do you hear this, though? Do you recognize this? Because what, what you're doing is by, by that by that not so good communication is you're putting that person in a very tight spot because <laughs> because you're and, and honestly it's it's uh, okay I like I don't want to step on anyone's toes but it's also like a slight form of manipulation right it's putting someone in a and it, again it's good heart you might not even be understanding that right you not might and your heart might not be for manipulation either but um but that's subconsciously what ends up happening right oh no like what am I going to do now, right? Like, they, what are you doing this Friday? I don't want to hurt their feelings, but the same, like, you don't want to, you, you always over-communicate to not put people in awkward positions, right? But anyway, so that, that was free again. But, but there are people who have good hearts, but are, haven't been taught how to communicate, so they can say something completely stupid and, and ignorant at the wrong time, too. Like, you look tired, you know? Like, never say, never say that to a woman, guys. Never say that to a woman. Because what you're actually saying is you look like crap. Are you serious? Yeah, you don't want to do that, right? So, so you don't say, but, but you hear this. Someone could have a good heart and say, hey, I want to minister to this person. Hey, you look tired, right? And they could, right? And it could be, I'm not, you don't, okay? Just to clever. But, but, but here's the thing. Someone could be like, they said I look like crap today. And then all of a sudden, division, Right? All of a sudden, there's a wedge. I don't know why that was my, there's a wedge sound. But the, rec, hear this though. I, I, I do want you to, guys to hear this. Because next week, next time, next time we talk, we're going to be talking about submission. And um, because that, because then he starts getting into the fivefold, right? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, right? And, and how when we give them ourselves to those, that's when we grow. That's when we mature, right? All of these things back on to each other, right? But when we start talking about submission, I, I want you to hear this. And you'll recognize this and you'll see this in the world around you, right? The devil is working overtime to bring a wedge into marriages. You'll see that. You'll see that. Here, here this. There's no sound effect right here. Right? He, he'll work overtime to bring a wedge in, in, in marriages. He'll work overtime. What? He'll work overtime to bring a wedge between kids and their parents. Overtime. Why? Because if he can bring that division, he can steal your peace. 
He can steal your joy. He can steal your hope. Because, man, things could be going pretty good with your relationship with God. But if things are going wrong with your relationship with your, with your future spouse or with your siblings or with your parents, man, that can really cause you some anxiety and some fear and some worry. So the devil will try to bring those wedges. Right? He'll work overtime to bring a wedge between you and your friends. Right? You've probably you know, had a friendship, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just boom, like, the fr- what, what happened? The friendship's gone, over. What did I do wrong, right? The devil will do that. That's the devil. Recognize this. Recognize this. Hear this, guys. Anytime a sudden wedge is caused that, that breaks something, or a relationship, or a fellowship, it's, it's every single time it's the devil. Every single time. God promotes unity. The devil promotes division. Hear this. Now, it doesn't mean that every single person that, that, that gets divided is, is demon-possessed or anything like that. But what I am saying is this. The devil's at the root of it because he doesn't like us walking in joy. He likes us being on the sideline wondering for, for days and days and weeks, what did I do wrong? How did I miss this? How did I mess this up? He wants to get us into that place. When really, in all honesty, you probably did nothing wrong, but the devil just inserted one thought like the ones we've been talking about, and all of a sudden, wh- what happened? <laughs> what happened to this friendship? What happened to my parents? What happened to m- my relationship with my parents? What, what, what happened to my relationship with my sibling? Why is all of a sudden my sibling mad at me? I didn't do anything. Hear, th- hear this. In those moments, this is what you do. Guys, hear this. In those moments, this is what you do. Lord... Your word says that I should do whatever it takes to preserve unity. Help me and give me wisdom to know what to do in this moment. Because sometimes preserving unity is giving that person some space. Sometimes preserving unity is going to that person saying, Hey, uh, I don't know what happened. And and if I did anything, I, I apologize. I just... I want to make sure you're okay, and I want to make sure we're good. But you need the Lord. Sometimes that person doesn't want you to come to them and ask that question. But you need to. Sometimes that person wants you. Here, this, this is when it gets fun. Sometimes that person wants you to come to them and say, Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, what happened? And you don't need to. You need to give them space. Because sometimes people put on a pity party because they want you to pity them and, and feel, feel, they want you to feel bad and do something unbiblical. And sometimes you need to be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, that. Which is why, how do we preserve unity? In the Spirit. It's in the Spirit. It's in the Lord. It's not in my head. I don't preserve unity in my head. Guys, hear this. I don't preserve unity in my head. That's not where I'm going to figure out how the unity comes. Huh. Do you, are you hearing that? So the devil will try to get you in your head. How can I fix this? How can I fix this problem? How can I do this? He'll get you in your head. But I don't preserve unity in my head. It's in the spirit. So Lord, what do I do? Lord, help me. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, give me direction. And he'll guide you. Let's go back to the series that we took five months to finish, right? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So he's saying in those moments of unrest, don't try to figure out how to fix it. Come to me, and I will give you rest. And I'll teach you, and I'll show you exactly what to do to fix it.
Or, honestly, because you can't supersede someone's will, sometimes the Lord will say, hey, just take your hands off, pray for them. Pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. But preserve that unity. Seek, seek above all things, seek that unity. But how do we seek the unity? Not in our heads and not in trying to fix the problem, but in the spirit. So, Serena, if you can come. So I want to I wanna pray over you guys. I want to pray. And as I pray, as I pray, uh, I want to believe with you. And I want you guys to be partnering your faith with me. And, uh, and I want to invite you guys to step forward, too. I'm going to lay hands today. Um, not I'm going to lay hands, but I'm going to lay hands. So guys, come on. Come forward. And um, because recognize this. Hear this. The reason why I'm doing this is because there's a partnership that's taking place. Here. There's a partnership that's taking place, right? Right here, right? We're talking about unity. We're talking about not doing it on your own, not trying to fix it on your own, not trying to figure it out on your own. We're talking about a unity. And so so the reason I'm having you guys come forward is because when I lay hands on you, I want you to partner yourself with my faith, partner your faith with my faith, and together, unified in that faith, things are going to change. Mindsets are going to change. A grace is going to be coming on you to deal with these things, to change the habits, to change the things that you might have, the, the habits that you might have developed that have been hurting you. And, and I'm believing that this grace, if you partner yourself with my faith, if you partner your faith with my faith, there's going to be a grace that's going to help you to overcome. There's going to be a grace that's going to help you to move on and press on. So close your eyes, lift your hands, and I want you to repeat this after me. Say, Jesus. Jesus, you are my Lord. You call the shots. I'll be obedient. Father, I need you. Help me to preserve the unity at all costs. Help me to keep my eyes towards unity. Help me to keep my thoughts towards unity. And help me to preserve the unity in the Spirit. Say this, I receive grace to preserve that unity. I receive grace to walk in unity and I'll receive help I'm not going to do it on my own I can't do it on my own you didn't call me to do it on my own so from this day forward I'm going to do it your way in Jesus name